salamu zako nimezipata nilisikia ulikuja nyumbani sikujua kama utakuja yote na suzana usichukie ni bahati mbaya nimekosa mengi bila kukuona nadhani suzana umekasirika sikujua suzana I just want to actually ask just just one question um mm. but uh which I, I'd like to kind of know for for the both of you where you guys stand on this uh, just for my own curiosity but I know that I've, I've spoken to you about this dad briefly but I didn't think I actually asked you this question but would you guys say how would you guys describe your relationship to your emotions and do you think you see them equally or treat them equally that is to say so maybe if, if I was for instance to give an example mm. I feel like for myself um of all the emotions of all the the human emotions fear is the one that i i don't treat with as much respect mm. as all the other emotions that um and probably uh unfortunately underrate probably more than than all the others mm. so for the both of you where how do you guys uh, relate to, to 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 your emotions and do you feel like you try to look at them equally or or um do you think there is a hierarchy for you personally That's a good question. Um I I think I think for me I um I think that there are certain emotions that I have that um are positive that I give more space for because um like recently for example um I'm I'm like at a new job, right? And it's it's a different setting than I'm used to. Um it's it's more of like an inclusive space and it's a space that allows emotion whereas in the past I don't think it was it wasn't frowned upon but I think it was not so, you know, uh healthy to share. Um yeah. and there was a moment when um I was able to share a lot of frustration. Um and that's an emotion that i give a lot of space for i think because if you're frustrated with something it's the same as feeling like you know angry or upset or something it's just that you have to name what is it that you're frustrated by and then use that as a jumping point for a solution like that's kind mm-hmm. of uh, one that i i give a lot of space for in a positive light mm-hmm. and in the past i think it's been received as uh, complaining or negative or like you're you're picking up a lot of like you know but um in in this one scenario there was uh, a lot happening and a lot was going wrong in my mind for my perspective okay so i sat down and i was like here's a list of like these are the things that i'm frustrated by um yes and it was such a positive experience because there was um room for me to be emotional but then to use that um as a way to kind of like make these like solutions that work for everyone and made everyone's experience feel better or mm-hmm. everyone's um kind of like day a little bit easier and that was something that I um I felt really positive about because in in the past frustration was only negative and now frustration is like a an avenue towards the mm-hmm. um so i think that um my my emotions the negative ones i've started to like re 
have a different relationship with and it's a work in progress but um fear i think plays into it as well because i and i don't know like really this might just be my perspective but it's um like i'm afraid of things going wrong you know yes of course yeah Um, uh or when things do go wrong obviously but when you kind of use that as an opportunity rather than like a devastating moment it's nice it's a it's a nicer relationship to have with yourself and like Mm. easier on yourself and you're not as uh you know uh critical of yourself having that negative yeah what what do you think yeah i think uh it's it's kind of similar uh you know to me uh i have uh a default way that I relate with some emotions and and mostly these are positive emotions that I I welcome embrace and and um, maybe I entertain them a lot in my life because I like to have them mm-hmm. so they're present uh, I, I'm you know the happiest but I also I'm very mindful of the negative emotions just like the way you've explained about uh, the fear uh, because they have so much value in life when they do come your way and uh, the, w- what they do or how much they can be helpful is all about how you relate to them. So whenever this word may be considered to be negative emotions that when they come, I, I actually give them even more importance uh, because they provide an opportunity for, for me to be more aware, to understand myself better to understand the environment better, but I think eventually is to grow more. So I would say I my default is to enjoy the good positive emotions, but in terms of maybe the investment that I make on uh, how I relate with the other emotions, those that may be considered to be negative emotions, I put more energy because I want to understand more mm-hmm. and and also I do not want to stay there for too long. Mm-hmm. I want to come out uh, as soon as I can. Mm-hmm. And the only way I can do it is to understand and then to decide on whether I'll let go or I will embrace it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, fear is, is probably the number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Rahim, do you want to go more into what kind of fear uh, you're talking about that you kind of? I I think it's 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 the sort of um, it's I think almost the paralyzing fear that that kind of stops you. You know, um, um, the fear that um, that 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 makes you want to instinctively look away. You know, but sometimes you want to stay and you want to sit with it. You know and maybe reinterpret what it is that you're looking at. Um, like to give an, an example, I, I've been scared. I've, I've even been scared of telling people this because, you know, Mohammed knew this in the past. He kind of, you know, used this against me, whatever. It's all in the past. But I had a, I had a fear, I have a fear of frogs slash amphibians, <laughs> but it, which is the, which is the wildest thing. But, um, you know, for, for me, I've been trying over the past couple of years, getting a little better at it, but just, you know, if I see an image of one, in, like my, my instinct is to instantly move away, mm. but just to like, just to sit for a little bit, you know, and just see how that changes. Mm. Um, but 
yeah so that's that's what i that's kind of why i you know i sort of bring that that that, that in is why i say that to a degree i don't think i always give it as much space because it's like you know i i, I spoke to i spoke to you dad about this a while ago but i feel like your your being is like a house mm. and your emotions are just guests that come in every so often i just feel like when fear comes in i'm just like you know you know, just yeah. you know, feel free to leave. Yeah, at any quit point. as soon as you can. Yeah, at any point. But but at least that kind of. Uh, okay. Fear. But the 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 more, uh, the greater fear that that that's that's much slower. Mm. I don't mind. Okay. But it's the more uh the one that quickly jumps in and out. That's yeah. the one that's a bit. Okay. Overwhelming for me. to ask for the both of you guys because you mentioned the idea of positive and negative emotions do you feel therefore that there are emotions which are for the most part positive and there are emotions that are for the most part negative or do you feel there and there's an element of perspective to that my take on that will be is to do with the perspective mm -hmm. uh the emotions I know there's a general uh, maybe consensus as to what happy emotions are and what not so happy emotions are. But even within those, depending on circumstances, depending on our personality of a person, time in their life, what may be considered to be a positive emotion, it may not be so positive, at least not be viewed as um, so positive uh, by someone else. Mm -hmm. So I think in general, yes, there, there are maybe two groups, but then it can, any of those uh, emotions from those two groups, depending on the situation can move into, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that would be my, That's fair. yeah, I don't know what, what, what do you think? Lyle? That's a really good question. I think that there's so much, you're, you're right, that there's like, not like really a binary of like good and bad, because yeah. usually like, joy is an emotion like that's like a, a happy thing but it's also sometimes short-lived like it's also kind of a you get like a flash and then it's you're chasing that forever and then yeah when um you view something that's um maybe not as widely considered positive for example um you know, uncertainty, if that is positive to you and you're able to um, like welcome it into your into your house and, and sit with it and enjoy it, that's something that is, again, like it's gonna be a longer um, feeling and then potentially um, will allow you to, to like feel positive for longer, but that's, I think it's a good question. It's just how you um, mm. uh, like restructure your relationship and whether or not you want to welcome it. Yeah, actually I, I like this example that you have used of uh, uncertainty mm. because 
I think there's a general feeling that is um, it's a it's a terrible thing, but it's not so bad actually. Uh, there there are circumstances when it's actually a healthy thing. It's a, it's something that maybe we need to embrace sometimes and try to understand more. Why are we uncertain? Because if it's just the emotion that we have developed and we don't try to understand, uh, it may just become a very present uh, part of the furniture of our living room for the longest time. Mm -hmm. But if it comes and then we try to understand, it may actually give some insight into maybe it can be a root cause analysis of what, 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 uh, like how it comes about, like mm -hmm. what makes you uncertain yeah. or what makes me uncertain. And therefore it can give you some insight into a situation where you can avoid it if you want, mm -hmm. or you can manage it better in, in some other situations. Yeah. I like the analogy though of the house. That, that I think is a lovely yeah. way to envision it. Mm, yeah, I, I think it, it kind of helps to just sort of, uh, I don't know, I guess, look at your emotions as friends, that they're just different. They have different personalities and mm -hmm. you just have to appreciate them uh, for what they can teach you, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, sometimes you, you don't want to be taught by them, sometimes you do, I guess, you know. True. You just go with it. Um, I think I want to go back into um, what you were saying about um, manifestation and like that kind of area and then how it is to do with your physical house and your family and like the the role of like parenting and being somebody who's kind of physically building a house for your kids to learn what kind of emotions to let in and let out and uh, how that has been kind of developing and, and your lessons from that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think I, I, I'm the kind of a person that I, I believe, um, uh, okay, so we are all work in progress, yeah? And, uh, you know, like, uh, the, the longer you live, hopefully, the more wiser you get because of the experience in life. And, um, um, so with that, I think as, as I get older, I take my, my um, the, the roles that have either been assigned to me or the roles, the roles that I've chosen in my life uh, more seriously, uh, meaning that uh, I find them as um, something that I, I need to be, I need to be to be to make sure that I do I do right most of the time if I can. So one of the things is that as a parent, as a as a father, as a husband, as an uncle, as a, um, a brother. Um, first, I I I I think I I uh, I'm a person that I consider. I value relationships very much, um, and uh, I have different kinds of relationships. So my family is my number one. Uh, like so, if if something goes wrong in my life and I feel that I cannot come home uh, and and be with my family, then my world is crushed. So that's number one. 
So that's my wife and my kids. Maybe at some stage when my parents were still alive, they also had a very special role, especially my mother. Not to say that my father was not important, he was, but my mother is like a, a very solid figure in my life from, yeah, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, and my father also inspired me in so many different ways. Now, the thing is, I take my, I live my life every day. I try to be very intentional in the way I live my life. And I try to live the life that even when I feel like doing something, but that is something that is uh, going to set a bad example uh, to either my children or to the people who are maybe surrounding me, I refrain from doing it. Mm -hmm. At least that's what I, I tell myself. So in terms of manifestation of, um, of different things in life, I believe first is uh, I try to lead by example. So as a father, this is how I am. I will, if I, if I tell Abdurrahim that I expect you to be forgiving, for example, I should be the first one to show that by, by example. Uh, if I say that, uh, you know, you should be respecting women, I should be showing that, not saying that, maybe I can say it, but I need to be showing that by the way I treat in my day-to-day -day life, I treat my wife, I treat my daughter. Uh, so, and then it extends to maybe at the neighborhood level, colleagues and stuff like that. So, and, and, um, and, and I think I, uh, through that, maybe it, it, uh, it helps for those people around me to understand what kind of a person I am and uh, what, what kind of, a, maybe they can have an idea of what vision of life that I'm trying to create for myself and my family. And uh, through that, I hope that uh, maybe they can see how my life is being manifested through my relationship with my thoughts and my emotions and the way I live my life. This is something that we've talked about before, but um, it's something that I find very, uh, like, interesting and like very defining of your character is um, your daughter, like your relationship with your daughter and how she came to live with you. Mm. Um, and that's a story I think everybody <laughs> should know and hear, and um, also kind of plays into like your household and like the contents of your house 
Would you yeah. want to share a little about that if you're comfortable? Yeah. So um, I don't know to what extent I I would. I think I, I have nothing that I want to refrain on that. Uh, and I hope that uh, I will have the permission of everyone, the silent permission of everyone to to be able to share because there's there's no secret on that, right? So um, speaking of my daughter or our daughter, myself and Williet, uh, is she is someone that we uh, came into our life as a daughter um, a few years ago, and that's maybe seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think uh, it's something that uh, maybe is very difficult for people to comprehend sometimes, because there is also a thought that um, it's only your biological child that you can have a strong bond and relationship with. And uh, normally, when I think about that, I think about for example, friends, or I think about a spouse, and these are the people that you don't have any blood relationship, but then it's it's a relationship that you have formed over time and you become almost like inseparable. So I think um, what I can say on that is, um, I think it's, it's, a, it's a reflection of maybe the kind of a family that we are, uh, how much we value relationships in general, and it's not only about blood relationship, it's just about relationship in general. And um, we are, I think as a family also very um, um, accommodating maybe, but maybe even further than that is, um, it's a family that um, maybe goes out of its way to to serve other people and to make people uh, feel that they matter in this world. Uh, I know it's like a kind of uh, a big thing that I'm saying, but I don't think it's that big. Mm -hmm. It's just the way that, uh, so if there is a new person, just a neighbor, for example, having a conversation will we'll just have a nice conversation with that person. So if you can imagine for uh, our daughter, when she came to live with us and become part of the family, I think everyone played a role to make it uh, an easier journey for her. But then all of us, we worked towards making it a more um, easier journey for everyone to accept this new setup of the family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you want to say anything about that? I mean, I guess, you know, because of the fact that you come from you know, perhaps a climate which, where there is a, there is a sort of, I think, maybe for lack of a better word, difficulty of understanding mm -hmm. that, you know, only relation is, um, is, is very much a blood and biological thing. Mm -hmm. And perhaps Alal, maybe even in, in, in your background, if you could also share, but do you feel like, Fida, do you feel like, how, how were you able to um, come to understand that maybe, maybe a, a relationship, for instance, a, a father-daughter relationship, father-son relationship, can be way beyond blood or, biolo or, or biological connection. Mm. Did it happen to be just the way that maybe, um, you know, relationship with with, with with your parents and how perhaps they just 
they were able to teach you a sort of universality of that approach or mm. uh, was it something that how, how or did, you, did you just feel like it's something that was just natural to them? Well, I think uh, I think there are many factors that come into play. One is that um, so we had two boys. Uh, we didn't have a, a girl, so I didn't know how it was like having a girl. But um, I think that has been very clear to me from many years. I've always loved children. I've always loved small children to grown-up kids. And I'm always drawn into uh, having relationship with younger people. Uh, so from toddlers all the way to um, going up. So that's one. Number two is that I maybe the influence of my mother is that um, it's been quite defining in my life to to be the um, to be the kind of a man that. Uh, uh, inspires empowerment to women. Not a feminist in any way, but it's just to create an atmosphere and uh, a, a way that um, a woman becomes empowered. And um, partly is the way I saw my mother when, uh, because my mother and my father, um, before they died, they soon, well, they got married and then they separated, then they got divorced. And I saw maybe how my mother was affected by that. And part, part of it, I think, was also because she was not empowered enough, maybe economically, uh, to be able to stand on her own. And um, I think subconsciously, it's always been a dream of mine that if I ever have any influence in any girl, it will be empowering this individual to become a confident woman, a, uh, a person who is um, able to stand on her feet and being able to, you know, even respectfully being in a relationship, but uh, that um, if things do go wrong, and that's not what I wish, but if do things go wrong, they will be able to say, you know, I don't need to stay in this relationship simply because I want a man to provide for me. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's that element. And uh, I think it's also the other thing is um, it's a shared, I think it's a shared uh, value that uh, I have with my wife where we feel, we know for sure that this world will become a better place when uh, women are more empowered and the women of tomorrow are the girls of today. So this is where a lot of our energy also goes. And it can be so random, and sometimes it's more, it's more um, um, dedicated and more directed. And in case of our our daughter, I think is um, yeah, it's more directed. Yeah. So that's. I mean, it it sounds very feminist to me. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I guess if it is. Um, I don't know. I just have a thing about uh, being labeled. Uh, I guess you, you, it's just the worry. It's just the worry, I suppose. But I, I think for the most part, always there's there's been a tendency of of the liberation of uh, of women um, as as a as a as a principal grounding figure, and even the way in which I think you've educated me and Mohammed to really value that as well. 
um, both in from 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 a standpoint that is financial, academic, or otherwise, but but also from a domestic perspective of understanding mm. um, just how to carry your own weight within within a home. Mm. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think it's 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 just about giving that sort of power. I think is something that you, you guys all both value. So that's that's the way that I've seen it always. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess uh, the thing about um, feminism is probably maybe maybe the the reason why I would never choose to be associated with that label is maybe the the shifting maybe definition from what it was to what it is becoming and the many variations that are within that. So uh, if I were to choose my own definition then uh, and stick to it, then it will be fine. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, like many people have different understanding of what it is. No, for sure. But yeah. for, for the most part, you, the, the grounding basis is that you and your figure actions also speak about this. It's just a, is a, is, is a conviction in, in, in the, in the education and, and, and the empowerment of women. Yeah, I, I mean, as, I, as a standing I, testament. I, exactly, because I strongly believe in this. I one thing that I, I we share very strongly, myself and my wife, is that you know, like we know very well, and we have seen it uh, everywhere in the world that you have a woman who is in a in a, in a position of uh, influence and position of resources, uh, you have that family or that community taken care of. Mm -hmm. It's not always guaranteed with a man. And, uh, but what you can do in relationship to that, and this is one thing that we have been trying to lead our life, is to show to a girl that you have potential, you need to believe in yourself, you need to be confident in yourself, but then to the boys is to uh, show them that uh, they should not be intimidated by a woman who believes in himself, in herself, and if anything, you need to support her mm. uh, in in that journey because then it becomes um, a victory to both of you. Uh, and 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 uh, when it's the other way around, it's a loss to everyone, and then the community is the one that loses in the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, decision making. I think I wanted to to discuss with you. Mm. Um, yeah, this was something that I've been thinking about a lot, and I I would love your your insight into um, from like a small to large scale kind of how um, you make difficult decisions and how much emotion plays into that as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think um, decision is one of those um, 
things or skills or aspects of our life that um, they are mainly very difficult. Uh, making decision in general is difficult because even not making a decision is a, is a decision itself. Yeah. Um, and um, I find that um, in general, when it comes to making decisions, there's an element of courage or lack of it, uh, because there are those who would want decisions to be made for them, uh, by either by nature or by circumstances, and there are those who want to be more active, kind of like uh, taking control of their destiny, uh, if, if there's uh, such a thing in directing uh, whatever things that they want to do in life. Um, I think uh, for me, it's been a journey. And um, I think I've, I've become more and more believing in the fact that, uh, you know, when they say that uh, with the age, uh, you become wiser. I think I have come to understand why, why there was um, such a thinking uh, back in the days. Uh, but I don't think it's an automatic relationship because you can be living for, I don't know, many years, but then you don't learn from your experience. Well, we all learn, but the quality of the learning is, is quite limited. Then the element of wisdom becomes also limited. So for me, when I, just the general rule, when I do make a decision, I remind myself of the objective. What is it that I want to achieve with the decision that I want to make? It's, it's almost something that is so dominant in my thinking process when I make a decision. And, and obviously there are decisions that are some uh, subconscious uh, and uh, quite fast. Um, and I don't know, I don't necessarily think about it, but I think the thought process is already built within me that um, I'll be, I'll make a decision driven by what is it that I want to achieve. And um, sometimes that does not happen. So I'll be reacting and uh, I will react in a way that is contrary to what I want to achieve. But then when I take a moment for myself, that's when I would say, okay, maybe, maybe you need to revisit how you have gone about uh, uh, something. Um, but just to continue, uh, maybe giving a response to, to your question, because you're talking about small and big decision. Maybe I want to focus more on, uh, what may be considered as big decisions, but, um, uh, which are also formed by small decisions. These are things big, like, for example, you want to move places. You want to move from one place to another, or you want to change jobs or, to get into a relationship or to come out of a relation, you know, things that will have a very major impact in your life. I tend to um, not to rush. I would really invest time. And that time is not just time in itself, but time in, uh, in, in maybe gathering knowledge and experience of, of others and how others have done that what is it that they were hoping to achieve and how successful that they were, where they failed. Uh, and also looking at my, my life and, and maybe looking at previous experience and building to all that. 
And uh, that's another thing that we have so much in common with my wife when we do make a decision. And I do, if I can say so myself, I love the way we make decisions, um, myself and my wife, sure. um, is that um, we tend to consider many aspects uh, and we allow ourselves time uh, to actually come to a um, decision that we can live with. And this is the difference because sometimes you can make a decision with a speed, um, but then that decision, uh, it maybe creates some problems or things are working out, but after a while things don't, don't work out. And the, the question is more like, uh, to what extent can you live with it and accept it as your personal responsibility? And we, and myself, I am of the view that when I take a decision, so if you ask me to do something for you, uh, there are two moments, is saying yes or no. The moment I say yes, is no longer a favor. It's my obligation. And I have to see through that. So this is the kind of like uh, the philosophy that I have with uh, making a decision that I would rather, um, you know, put a lot of work in it. Uh, and then by the time I make a decision, then it's a decision that is mine. And um, I think um, the resources available to make that final decision is um, previous experience, but the experience of others. Yeah. And then you take those like yeses on a small scale as seriously as a large scale? Oh yeah. Yeah. If if I do and and I think actually maybe more on the small things because those are the ones that uh, they amalgamate and become a bigger thing. So I will never say yes. Well, I, I shouldn't say I, I will never, but um, I'm very deliberate when I say yes to something. Um, and that is why I think uh, part of the decision-making process is, I think is healthy to be able to say no to things, especially if you know that you are not going to be able to um, either to deliver or to achieve, or it may compromise other priorities in your life. Um, so for the smallest things, yes. If I do, for example, Abdurrahim asked me that, oh, dad, can you uh, bring this to me uh, by such and such a date? The minute I say yes, then it is my obligation to do that. And if I find that maybe maybe in three days is when I'm supposed to do it, by, by the second day, I find that maybe I'll be unable to do it then I need to inform him that I think I will not be able to do it. But if it gets to the third day and you realize that, is it as, um, do you feel as obligated to, like if something happens on the day that you're supposed to do said thing? Um, so I, I value commitment, but I also value honesty more. Mm. So in the event, that uh, all else has failed and I've not been able to deliver, I'll be honest and I'll say that, you know, maybe I've messed up and I should have maybe told you earlier, but I didn't. But uh, this is not an excuse, it's just an explanation. And uh, I'll try to do better next time. 
Um, on on that as well, um, there's something to it that is to do with like lateness that I'm very curious about and how you view lateness and um, versus being on time and punctuality in these obligations. Is it something that you find disrespectful if it's like uh, um, someone delivers on an obligation, but it's not on the timeline that you had agreed upon? So the question is about how I feel about that or? Yeah, like is, it, is being late something that is um, like a disrespectful kind of thing for you or is it a part of the uh, I don't I don't take it very well especially like if you I accept delays as much as I would also expect uh, other people to to understand when there are some delays from my part but then it depends on what but it also depends on how that is communicated and the frequency of it. If it's something that has been maybe repeatedly happening, then it is a habit, for example, and, and that says something maybe bigger than needs to be addressed. So normally, if, um, if it's just one off, let's say someone is normally on time, uh, they, we agree something, they do it, but on this particular occasion, he or she is extremely late. Uh, I would I would consider that to be an isolated incident, and then we will talk about it. And uh, I'm not going to hold it against that individual, but if it's something that is um, is an unrepeated uh, pattern, then we need to have a conversation around that. Especially if uh, if it impacts what I have to do, maybe for myself or for others. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, and and I think it's uh, in a way I find it's uh, it's uh, it's a respect thing that uh, as much as if I say yes to what you ask me to do and I deliver it on time, it's a sign that I respect you and I respect what you have asked me to do. So in similar ways, I would expect um, kind of a similar treatment. Yeah, it, that that would also hold for appointments, appointments and stuff physical meetings and things oh, of that nature. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Rahim, is there like a, a kind of like theme in your, from your perspective as well of like timing and uh, scheduling? And is that something that you find you picked up? Um, yeah, I think I probably, yeah, I think I probably get I probably get well. I would I can't say equally as frustrated, but I think I get frustrated with lateness, um, and um, um, but I just don't communicate it ever, and I usually keep it inside, and I just, I just you know I just pass it, which has caused situations where I've um, I you know I've done things with people, and um, they've showed up late, and. Uh, uh, you know, for me, actually, if it's to anything to do with an, a, a, a thing that I want to achieve in that day, I have no real problem. I have a problem when we both have made a commitment to go meet somebody at a particular time. And um, and uh, now we're both late because you're late. Mm. Um, and, I, 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 you know, I just have a very big difficulty of um, 
I think when I was younger, I was, I maybe, I don't know, but I think I was probably more uptight about these things. And then there was a point where the mirror was put up and I was like, oh God, maybe I'm too strict with this. So I just went the complete opposite. And I said, okay, I'm never gonna, you know, hassle anyone about times anymore. But then that's led to a developed lateness. Mm. But uh, for, 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 for both of you guys though, in your lives, do you feel like punctuality is something that, that you've you've always felt um, you've respected and you've tried to adhere to, or is it also again something that experiences has taught you the maybe not the significance of, or, but your personal significance of? Um, it's something that I think I used to be more strict about um, punctuality, but I. I think the turning point was for me when I was in Rome for a period of time. <laughs> and no nothing happened on time. The train never arrives on time. The culture is just one of uh, 15 to 30 minutes late is on time or even early. Like that's just how it, it, it's become. Mm -hmm. um, and then from then, I was much more relaxed with it. Mm. And then I moved to New York where things are so it's so structured that if you're a minute or two late, it's so disrespectful. So I think I was frazzled <laughs> from that cultural mm -hmm. shift and then uh, became only strict with myself and my timing and had fewer expectations from others to meet me somewhere so it wouldn't hinder my ability to enjoy a plan so if, you know, I plan to do something and I want to go somewhere um, at a certain day, certain time, and somebody else's plans were hindered or fell through, um, that I would stick to it myself. Mm -hmm. That's something I'm still working on. Um, yeah. Not being frustrated with that. And then, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I can understand that. I can understand that. Uh, the fact that at least you put it on yourself that um, you, because you only have yourself that you can control. Um, I still find very frustrating, especially in a situation like the one that Abdurrahim said, where it's a, it's a, it's a collective, it's, a, it's like a group appointment. And we are all late because of either one or few people, because uh, I, especially for those and maybe not necessarily that. I, I don't think for me it's, it's a question of um, the other party on how they are going to perceive. It's more like I put myself on the other side and how I see it uh, that it's disrespectful when, yeah. uh, when, I'm, when I'm late. Mm -hmm. And uh, because there, there are like situations where oh, we are going somewhere, and then uh, there's all these stories that, ah, but you know, you know, Africans are always late, so it's okay, even if we are late, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, yeah, maybe that's the thing, but uh, I don't want to be that person. Mm. I want to be there at the time that has been indicated that we should be there, and maybe if the rest of Africans are late, that's okay, but it's not on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's the thing, yeah. Uh, but uh, I think one of the major changes I think uh, in, in, in life for me in terms of this um, patience with, uh, with the delays, I think there's been a shift. Okay. 
somehow uh, become more maybe yeah not less irritated by it that I've, I've accepted because I've been forced by circumstances <laughs> in my household to either to suffer from it or to accept it and um, yeah so I've I've become more understanding of people in general, and, and part of it is also accepting that you cannot control these things. Mm. You know, you have to accept sometimes. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have this as well, but I feel like there's also certain friends that you have that they're just they're just too nice, too kind people, and they have such incredible positives that mm. even if they're late half an hour, you yeah. know, whatever, that's fine. Yeah, you know, you know, it's gonna happen. Yeah. So you know, but I don't know if you guys feel like, or do you feel for the most part, it's like I have to treat, I have to treat everyone or all my friends similar in that sense, or do you prefer like you know, some people maybe this is just how they do things, and to a certain degree you have to leave it. Yeah, I think there is that. There are people that are very important people in your life, and uh, it's just their style, it's their personality, and you have to, I think, at the end of the day, uh, it's all about what is it that you want to achieve? Mm -hmm. Because you want to maintain this friendship, right? Mm -hmm. And part of it is about having those interactions. And this person is is a serial, uh, (laughs) is a serial, uh, what do you call? Late. Late person, person, yeah. And uh, what do you do with that person? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you just kick them out of your life? Maybe you just need to start enjoying that aspect and you know make fun of it and and, you know just go with it. So I'm 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 also moving more and more towards um, more acceptance. I would say. but i find that they have more fun (laughs) yeah no true they like i think it's a for me it it was more of an optimistic thing where i was like okay i have 15 minutes i can do one more task Mm. but in reality that task takes 30 minutes and in my mind i can complete it in 15 and i i think from my from a very positive you know way to spin it it's an optimistic kind of way to squeeze as much into your day as possible it it does hinder a schedule yeah yeah Yeah. no i think there's so much value in uh uh, in in uh, in in just taking life and and I find that uh, maybe with me it's also coming with uh, maybe age, 
that I've become, like I said, I've become more accepting of others, but I've also become more, um, uh, I guess it's, it's a realization that I've, I've, I can only control what I can. And for the rest, I just have to, I've become less afraid of the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So things come as they come and I face them as they come. Mm -hmm. And whatever happens, happens. And there was a time I remember in my life, if I am not certain about something, it is a problem. Do you guys think, because I think from just hearing the conversation between the both of you, you both seem like very structured human beings. Do you think that element of uncertainty is a byproduct of structured people trying to have a lot of control in their day? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's the that's why there's an incompatibility with uh, it, you know, introducing uncertainty, or do you think maybe it's a different element? How how does uncertainty part in in both your lives? I think for me that is part of it. Where um, maybe initially it was more uh, an aspect of having more control yeah. of uh, how uh, how my day, how my time uh, pans out. Sure. And uh, in in my mind, it was that for i'll have more control for things that have more certainty of yeah but what i've come to realize more in life is that uh, uh because things change so quickly mm -hmm. and you have very little control of you know with all the information flow and everything everything is that maybe you have more control of your life once you accept that you have no control of your life uh, yeah, I see. yeah yeah okay. mm -hmm. so you plan uh, you execute, things change. You um, you 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 know you reassess mm -hmm. and then you continue, mm -hmm. rather than say, oh, now it's the end of the world because things have changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're so right about that. I think also the um, the the structure, the tendency to structure your life does come from the fear of uncertainty, but um, the desire to kind of like be as um get as much out of a day as you know possible and however many hours is however much you know material you have to work with yeah. uh, but the the shift is then what is the goal from each day and what do you want to take away from it because if you're planning and trying to be as efficient with your time as possible but the end goal is you being more frustrated with yourself then whatever goal you're trying to reach is is like moot oh, it's a moot point like you're not going anywhere you're just Absolutely. hurting yourself more. Absolutely. yeah yeah mm -hmm. but maybe so. uncertainty uncertainty is something that we, we should discuss uh, more. yeah I, I think uncertainty is something that um it should be welcome with caution mm -hmm. um like it's, it's something that is desirable mm -hmm. is something that can be very meaningful mm -hmm. as long as you know what is there for and how you want to relate with it mm -hmm. yeah so then maybe as a follow-up question you know even with that level of structure perhaps that, that permeates the both of your lives would you guys say that you're more inclined to risk averse or more inclined to be risk takers how do you see that or do you feel like that actually has no relationship to to uh, um, 
your relationship with uncertainty and, and structure? Or where do you guys stand in terms of risks in general? Um, should I? Uh, I would say that uh, I'm not a risk averse, uh, but I'm not a, a high risk taker. Mm -hmm. I'm just more of a person who takes uh, informed decisions with uh, uh, I take risk with uh, with the information that I have. Mm -hmm. So I do not avoid risks, but I try to understand more in terms of what I want to achieve and what impact would that risk bring in my life if things go wrong. Mm -hmm. And if I can live with that, then I'll go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think maybe risk. Um, I, I'm not quite sure how I define risk really because when I do things that I consider risky, they're very calculated still. Like it's, if, if I want to do something that I think is a jump for me, um, there's a lot of research that goes into me deciding to take that risk, but then is it a risk anymore? Like if it's planned? Uh, it is yeah. actually, uh, it is still a risk. But then your relationship with that risk is that you try to understand more about it before taking it. So the risk is still there because in the same way, whatever the same decision that you want to take, someone else would have approached it by just taking it without involving or doing all the research uh, that you have, uh, you'll have done. So the, I think the risk is still remains there, but how do you, um, how do you relate with it and, and what kind of um, knowledge that you gather before taking that risk? So, so is a risk just a big, a big shift from the norm then? Is it just a, is that what makes it quote unquote risky? Um, or, or how? Somewhat a risk. Yeah, go ahead. A risk is what I would consider to be something that, um, something that can go wrong. Okay. So like, um, Let's say, pick an example. What would you want to do? Um, let's say you want to start a business or something. You want to start a business. What can go wrong with starting a business? Maybe um, your uh, the product that you want to sell perhaps isn't uh, isn't as successful as you thought it might See, be. That is a risk. Mm -hmm. But then, what what investment in terms of research that you do in order to minimize? Mm -hmm. or even avoid that from happening. Mm -hmm. So maybe you invest more on in the research of the product development uh, in order to make sure that you understand the market better, the demographics and everything, mm -hmm. so that by the time you launch your product, it's actually chances of succeeding are way much higher than they would have if you had not invested all this understanding. Mm -hmm. That's how I would say it. Okay. Mm. So in a way, risk is just another way of saying that you basically don't know what the future will pan out to be like. Because also as an extension of what Lyle was saying, if you end up studying more about the risk, surely you then depreciate its value insofar as it being risky. So then it is in a sense, is it just more of saying, okay, you, you may still have a 99% understanding of, of what could happen, but it's still that's still a probability. That's still not necessarily what's going to happen. You know, yeah. so you may think, okay, I've studied the market. I know that for the most part, my product is going to do well. Mm. Um, is a risk just a reminder 
but you really don't know in general overall you don't know in general you wouldn't know mm-hmm. but to what extent are you informed in terms of what is likely to happen mm-hmm. and the risk as far as I, I i understand is that what can go wrong mm-hmm. uh and uh mind you even when you what some people maybe i may take a decision that may be considered very risky mm-hmm. because of the the ability or the probability of it going wrong mm-hmm. and it can be considered very risky but for someone else because of the uh the kind of people that they are they are such a high risk takers i see it's it's just you know something they do every day and they don't consider it to be that risky so in in a sense the risk isn't necessarily the way you'd see it what can go wrong it's more of your awareness of what can go wrong yeah exactly yeah. maybe you have yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. I think a good way to to think about it is like in terms of like a gamble, like putting in a certain investment that may or may not pan out. And I think everyone would agree that a gamble is a risk, like regardless how resourced you are, it's going to be um the outcome is unknown. Yeah. But if you go into it um with more experience or more awareness of of the risk and of the bad outcome you're more equipped to avoid it or deal with the um the negative if and when it comes you, like it's it's kind of um like having a a security net for yourself absolutely mm-hmm. yeah 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 no i like the thing that you said about the awareness of it because that's that's exactly what makes it uh different between a person to a person on how they perceive a risk the very same thing three people one may see that it's not even a risk mm-hmm. it's just a way of doing things and then maybe the other two say oh this is too risky mm-hmm. because a lot can go wrong mm-hmm. uh yeah so but it's an interesting perspective because uh that's why you find people working in uh for example in stock exchange mm-hmm. uh are the people that with a certain mindset true yeah or those who gamble mm-hmm. they have a certain mindset mm-hmm. and yeah. like is luck do you think luck is something that is do you think that's something that exists in a tangible way where you can rely on it i think my my definition of luck um is that um is just to be prepared uh to what extent are you prepared in life to deal with the uh, different circumstances so and and many people would say it as as of course there is an element of luck in the general sense that we are talking about but i think it's overrated because for most of the time is that um may, maybe it's the wrong thing to say it's overrated there is a space for it uh but those who most of the time and not all the time most of the time they tend to be seen as lucky are the people if you study them they will have done their homework they will have for example someone an artist for example uh will say i want to create my own maybe clothing company mm-hmm. and this is something that maybe you say when you are 10 years old and you keep on working you do all kinds of things to make it happen but um 
when an opportunity arises that there's a company that is looking for a designer and there are 10 people in your amongst them and you show your profile, they take you, other people will say you are lucky, but you've actually put in True. the 10,000 hours uh, mm -hmm. to actually become that lucky person on that day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So have you got, a, you've got a outliers? Yeah, we've, we've actually both read it. Yeah. Outliers, yeah. So there's, um, I mean, like it opens up with the, the whole, uh, the hockey teams and how a certain, if you're born in a certain month that you're, you know, luckier at hockey or like you're better at hockey. Mm. Um, but then they kind of, you know, do some more research into it and find that these people are just students who are a little bit older than their grade. Mm -hmm. So there's a correlation between a thing that was perceived as lucky or by chance, and it actually has to do with, a, you know, a, there, there's like a correlation of age and skill. Mm -hmm. That people who are lucky at a certain thing, they have a correlation to something that is a privilege or a, a advantage. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Um with that statement or with that assertion, yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, maybe a question for both of you guys, mm -hmm. uh, then would you, in your successes for the both in your lives, would you guys consider yourself lucky people in that sense? Do you think you've, ex you've experienced a great amount of for luck in that sense? It's probably a very difficult question to answer, right? Especially if you want to maybe humble yourself. And, yeah, and, but, I, but, and I think that's yeah, the question for Leia. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I do. I would consider myself, and I have considered myself a very lucky person because um, simply just the, the time that I was born, like the, the generation in my lineage, um, I'm, I was able to be the first generation to leave a terrible situation. And I had nothing to do with that. It was purely like that, that I was my parents' child and they made the decision to leave. That I think is very lucky. Um, mm -hmm. That then I now have a, a billion resources that my, like, you know, my parents never did. And mm -hmm. that alone, I find very lucky. But then if you isolate my life as like a, you know, you can't really control the when you're born and what what family you're born into um mm. i think that there's um a lot to luck that is being in the right place at the right time and that i think is also to do with like if you're out more and you're meeting more people the chances that you're going to meet the right person are higher like it's it's no. like mm -hmm. you know not to not to um take the magic away from it because I do believe in that like magical kind of like there's a, a portion that you can't control and to a certain degree if you believe you're lucky you're going to become more lucky mm. but a lot of it is just like but awesome. you know actually what you're saying is quite interesting uh because it's it's, it's also the power of manifestation mm. uh I think it's, it's I find it so amazing the more you believe in something uh how our mind works to actually uh, yeah create that you know you know either our vision or you know our future and mm -hmm. and it just becomes that you know like um one of the things that uh when, when we speak of like for example 
um, witchcraft, the stories that we used to hear back when we were going to school in, in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, that you are, you, someone is taken to, to see a, um, uh, a witch doctor, and then they are told, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then they go there with the confidence that they are going to be healed. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is part of the process because it's that, that belief that uh, the placebo effect that has been in, in, you've been infected with, it actually drives you to, um, mm-hmm. to achieve what you, um, actually to create what you, what you, in your mind, and then you can, you can manifest it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something so, this is not, I don't know why I thought it was silly in the past, but to be able to sit with yourself and say, uh, like close your eyes and imagine what you want your ideal life to look like in a year or more. It's very, very, very difficult to, to imagine. Like, there's so many unknown factors, but if you let yourself be creative and, you know, uh, wishful and you sit, sit with yourself and say what will it look like like imagine how you wake up in the morning what are you eating what do you uh, leave the house and do what shoes are you wearing like all those small details it's massively uh, beneficial because then you actually have something to to like move towards whereas before it's like an abstract so yeah. have you done it yeah only once because it's so difficult yeah it takes a long like my brain just doesn't understand how to forget my current situation and Mm. allow myself to create an ideal where i'm still myself but it's a different environment yeah Mm -hmm. have you have you done that no no actually um i'm I'm more interested because i heard what you're saying uh no i've not done that um i've not maybe some food for thought Mm. yeah i I think uh the first things that uh i I would like to do and this was um was that jackie i think it was jackie who were talking uh on the podcast and she talked about this uh, practice Mm. of of silence Mm -hmm. that she embedded in her life yeah they Mm. yeah Uh, i remember Mm -hmm. and uh this is something that um i think is yeah maybe i would like to try that yeah yeah i'd like to try that. why not yeah but no to answer your question no i've not done that I just I like stepped out to use the bathroom and my uh, roommate was there and she I was telling her we were talking about manifestation she just told me um she she bought this candle um that was meant for manifestation that says the money will come and she says 
Lisa says once she got it and she started using it, the money came. <laughs> she was yeah, like, yeah. 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 It works. But um, so I mean, I don't know if we can like do it on the call or if it really need to be kind of solitary, but the the method that I usually go about is kind of um it, step by step how your day plays out so mm -hmm. from the moment of you waking up in the morning mm. um to kind of until you go back to bed at night what a full day would look like in that situation in an ideal setting that you'd like to achieve okay um, so for example like you wake up and and what is surrounding you what do you see and then what do you smell and what do you uh get up and eat and taste and kind of it's very sensory mm. um, so that you're able to kind of tap into those parts of your brain that um it's not so abstract it's more kind of tangible and you can recreate it mm -hmm. um in a, in a real way like you can realize these things um so yeah, do you, do you want to like go through something like that? Yeah, I think uh, I think I will I will try to go for it. Uh, maybe I will not even try. I will actually go for it because uh, someone wiser say that there is no such thing as trying. It's either you do or you don't. Because when you try, you are actually doing it, but you're maybe doing it badly. <laughs> yeah yeah so i think i will i will accept the challenge and uh, and do that yeah for him is that something that you um have thought uh, yeah i i do that lately now because i'm actually just in the the break that i was speaking today about productivity but i feel like now i'm i'm in my phase of trying to really um uh, which may sound contradictory to what I was just telling you a second ago, yeah. but trying to really um, fill in my time um, as best as I can. So I just try to think of if I can't do what I'm doing now, uh, how I can do the next task and just try to keep that in, in, in my head. So, and there's been moments where, as you described, where I just try to do a rundown of what I have to do the next day, um, you know, as a literal, you know, action, but the, you 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 provided a much more detailed sensory experience, which I haven't thought about actually, mm. but is very is very, you know, I think is very helpful because um, it really adds to the the vividness of it. So yeah, I think one thing I can say about that is uh, maybe it's a different way that I do, and it's um, because the the way you've described is more is is more visual. Uh, uh, so you can actually see yourself like in a movie kind of thing. And uh, I, what I normally do, um, and it doesn't happen every day, but from time to time is, is just to remind myself on like, what is it that I'm, I'm trying to do in this world? And uh, on, on maybe a particular day or particular period of time is just to remind myself whether what I'm doing is actually heading towards. So it's more like, um, am I working towards becoming what I want to become? The things I do, or I, I may, am I just uh, filling in the 
my time with things that are very much irrelevant. So that's the kind of exercise that uh, I would find myself doing, not even deciding that I should do, but it just happens sometimes. Mm. Yeah. It's hard to, to um, see like smaller actions having an end goal in a long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, definitely, definitely. I think we've spoken about this before, Deb, but the, the, the idea being that large actions and even to relate it to decision making, mm. big decisions are just an amalgamation of small decisions. Absolutely. Um, and really it's you know, it how you deal with the with the minuscule will affect how you deal with the, the maximal. Yeah. Um and that should really be the full process. So in a so in a sense, I guess um you don't uh, discriminate mm. in terms of the size of of what it, whatever it is that you're doing or dealing with. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. There's also something that I um, found recently that, um, uh, you know, Virgil Abloh? Sure. Yeah, he, did, he, was, he was a designer, a uh, fashion designer of sorts. Oh, okay. Yeah. He was, um, yeah, he, he uh, did something that I really respect, was completely separate from his design that was, um, he had kind of like a um, a list of values that were kind of like mm. elements that he would often reference. Okay. Themes throughout his life that were consistent, um, and I thought that was something really interesting because you, I'm sure everyone has the values that they prioritize and that exists in everyone's life, but it's not um, like bullet pointed in that way. Mm -hmm. Um. But I think that's kind of helpful to like return to your own, um, to like return to your own values, and be able to reference something that's like, oh, this is what I think when you're yeah. like lost in the small decisions. No, absolutely, absolutely, it becomes your blueprint, yeah, mm -hmm. on how you approach life, and it also helps for you to check, you know, from time to time whether you're actually on track or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so beautiful, beautiful. Um, maybe uh, there's one thing because you, I think there were a number of things that came into play. And one of the things uh, you mentioned, maybe you mentioned both of you, is about priorities when it comes to decision making uh, and approaching life in general. I, I think uh, for me, I, I find that uh, once you have, for example, those um, the value systems that define what is what is important or meaningful for you in your life, uh, so the actions that you you take every day, big and small, they must be uh, prioritized in a way that uh, they help those those values. Uh, because uh, there's one guy I think by the name of Denzel Washington. Uh, he said that uh, there's a very big difference between progress and movement. And that unfortunately, many of us, we focus on uh, movement. So doing a lot of things, but not actually looking into the extent to which the things that we do, they bring progress or not in our life, mm -hmm. uh, in achieving those, those um, main aspects that we want to achieve in our life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 